G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Sometimes it can feel that our lives are in a rut and nothing is ever going to change. Ever been there? I have. But the Bible tells us that the whole point of the Easter that we've just celebrated, the whole point of that cross and that empty tomb, is to bring you and me a new life. If that's not good news, I don't know what is. I'm Bernie Diamond, and thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're going to open God's Word to discover what that new life, your new life, is all about. And please do stay tuned, because in just a few minutes, I'll be telling you about the powerful prayer that could be coming your way to help you through whatever you happen to be dealing with in your life just at the moment. As we chatted last week on the program, Easter is a time for hope. Not a wishy-washy, uncertain hope like, I hope I'll lose some weight on this diet or I hope the weather finds up tomorrow. No, not that. When the Bible talks about hope, it means a certain hope. The sort of hope that throws a ray of sunshine into your day because you realise that you have something amazing to look forward to. The hope of the resurrection of the dead. That when you and I die, we will go to be with Jesus in paradise based only on our faith in him, not on what we do or don't do. It's exactly what Jesus said to the criminal that was strung up on that cross next to him on that very first Easter. Although, of course, it wasn't called Easter back then. It was the Passover celebration. Have a listen. Two others also who were criminals were led away to be put to death with Jesus. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing, and the people stood by watching. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, then save yourself. There was also an inscription over him that read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who was hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other one rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, Truly I tell you that today you will be with me in paradise. Luke 23, verses 32 to 43. Now, although that was obviously a terrible, terrible circumstance in which to receive the promise of eternal life with Jesus. 
I think you'll agree, there was a sense of immediacy to that promise. That criminal knew that he was about to die. He could feel it. The agonizing, the excruciating, long-suffering death by suffocation, which is how you die when you're nailed to a cross. By the way, this was the very first man recorded in Scripture to receive the gift of eternal life based on faith in Jesus. And it happened on the same day, within just a few hours of the promise that Jesus made to him. Most of us don't know how long we have left on this earth. Some who've had maybe a bad medical prognosis might have some idea, but most of us don't. I could live another 50 years, or I could be gone tomorrow. I don't know, and I don't want to know. But what we do know, what we do see, is the long path ahead, the trials that we're going through, and the trials which are so much part of life that lie ahead. But this resurrection, this new life, doesn't just begin when we die and go to heaven. It's meant to begin the very moment we believe in Jesus. In fact, it has begun the very moment you believed in Jesus. It's as though we've died and risen again here and now. Have a listen to this amazing scripture that says exactly that. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. What then are we to say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin go on living to it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Did you get that? The point that Paul's making, the point that God is making through the Apostle Paul, who wrote that letter to the Roman church, is that the moment we put our faith in Jesus, we are dead to sin and alive to Christ. We are freed from the sin that's held us back and held us down and ruined things for us thus far. And just as Jesus was raised from the dead, so have we been that we may walk in the newness of life, a new life, born again, a here and now resurrection. Why do so many people who believe in Jesus not get this? Why do so many people who believe in Jesus struggle with who they are and what they've done and the mistakes they've made? Hello? Those things are dead and gone and buried. And now, through the resurrection of Jesus, anyone who believes in him can walk in newness of life by his power. Here's Paul saying it again in a different way to the Ephesian church. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 to 23. He said, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he's called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and all authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and made him the head of all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Paul wanted us to know the hope and the riches and the incredible power of God that we now already have. The same power that brought Jesus back to life. Resurrection power, new life power available to you so that you may walk in newness of life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
And it's that power, seeing that power at work in your life day by day, setting you free from the shackles of sin, one shackle at a time, that gives us the hope to know that one day that resurrection will be consummated before God. It's like a down payment, this resurrection power, evidence of God's intention. This here and now resurrection power speaks of the resurrection that we will experience on that day when our lives here on earth come to an end. In fact, that's again what Paul says just a few verses earlier about the Holy Spirit. Verses 13 and 14 of Ephesians chapter 1. In him, in Christ, you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit power, the resurrection power, is a pledge, a down payment, a deposit to demonstrate to you the reality of your inheritance that is to come. When you buy a house, you put down a 10% deposit, which is evidence to the vendor of your intention to pay the rest and complete the sale at the agreed time. That's what this passage of Scripture means. The resurrection power of the Holy Spirit that you see at work in your life is God's deposit and pledge of the resurrection you will experience on that day. That's why we can have hope in the coming of Jesus. That's why we know that there are riches coming beyond anything that we can imagine because the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit in our lives is clear, unmistakable evidence of that. Anyone who's listening today, who's had this sad sack, nothing's changed in my life thing going on, for you, this is great news. Grab a hold of it with both hands. Live every minute of every day in the certain knowledge that the Holy Spirit is at work in you. And as a consequence, you can have a real hope in your eternity with Jesus. That's what Jesus purchased for you. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. Just as we take this short break, I'd like to remind you that if you have a prayer need, we would absolutely love to pray for you. Because the only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. Just let that sink in. The only sort of prayer the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. So if you'd like us to pray with you, in fact, if you'd like our whole prayer community to pray with you, stop by online at PowerfulPrayer.org to share your prayer request. It's completely confidential. Your name won't be displayed. And in fact, while you're there, perhaps you could also pray for one or two others and leave them a word or two of encouragement. You can be such a mighty blessing to so many others by supporting them in this way. The Bible says that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. So please, let us pray for you and with you, and let's just see what God does, how he intervenes, how he chooses to bless you. That web address again is PowerfulPrayer.org. All right, let's head back into God's Word to see what else he has for us today. I used to wonder a lot about this whole Jesus dying on the cross thing. It just didn't make sense to me. I mean, when someone does something wrong against me, I can choose either to forgive them 
or to not forgive them, right? And if I choose to forgive them, I don't, I don't know, I don't self-mutilate or something to pay the wrong that they did against me. I just forgive them and that's it. Their slate is wiped clean. They don't owe me anything. I choose to remove the desire for recompense or punishment for their wrongs and we all get on with life. And since I'm made in the image of God, surely God can be like that too. I mean, you or I haven't murdered anyone or raped anyone or assaulted anyone. We're not guilty of grand larceny. We we haven't stolen anything from the local store even. Okay, we've made some mistakes. We've hurt people through our actions or our attitudes. But that's all part of life. And hopefully most of those people would forgive us and we can just get on with it, right? As we think about Easter... As we think about that brutal, bloody cross and what Jesus did, unless we really understand the why of it all, then we're completely missing the point of Christianity, the whole point of believing in Jesus. And I strongly suspect that there are a good many people around today who say they believe in Jesus, but they don't have answers to these difficult questions. Why did God bother with this whole Jesus dying on a cross thing? Why didn't he just forgive us? The bottom line is this. God is a God of absolute love and absolute justice. Have a listen. 1 John 4.16 So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So, God is love. Now listen to this. Romans 2.9-11 There will be anguish and distress for everyone who does evil the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honour and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. See, God is more loving than the most loving father who has ever lived. God is love, but he's also more just than the most just judge who has ever lived. So how do you reconcile love and justice? I mean, love demands forgiveness. Justice demands punishment. If a man was convicted of rape or murder, if he was tried and found guilty, yet the judge in his sentencing chose to show mercy and let him walk free, we'd be totally outraged, wouldn't we? We would demand justice. And so God is faced with this dilemma, a huge dilemma. He's all love and he's all justice. What does he do? It's the same as though that judge I just talked about was the the father of the man convicted of rape or murder. Can you imagine the terrible position this judge and father would find himself in in determining a sentence for his own child? So God does the only thing open to him. He sends Jesus to fulfil the requirements of absolute justice by dying on that cross for you and me so that the price of our sin is paid in full. The requirements of justice are met in full. The wrath of God that you and I deserve falls on Jesus. He takes the rap. He dies the death. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. But the huge spin-off benefit of Jesus' death on the cross is the fact that just three days later, he was raised from the dead. And that's exactly what happens to you and me when we believe in him and we die to our sin. We receive a new life, a resurrected life, a born-again life, a fresh start with the slate wiped completely clean through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. That empty tomb is as important in God's plan for you and me as was that bloody cross.
Jesus had to die to be resurrected, and you and I have to die to our old self, to our sinful self, in order to be resurrected into a newness of life, this new life that Jesus purchased on the cross for you and me. The transaction of grace is a transaction both of death and resurrection. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. That means that you and I believe in Jesus and we turn away from our sin so that we can rise again to this new life that Jesus has for us. Come on, this is good news. The alternative is death. The alternative is a living death today as we live in sin and an eternal separation from God when this life is over. Jesus made this point. He said you actually have to die before you can live. Truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love life will lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honour. John chapter 12, verses 24 to 26. And see, this bit of dying to self so that we can live and bear fruit, is the bit that so many people miss. We think it's just about believing in Jesus and everything will be okay. Well, yes and no. Unless you and I repent, unless you and I believe in Jesus and turn away from our evil ways, then there is no life because sin will continue to rob you of life. It's an unpopular idea, I know. Repentance sounds like something terribly old-fashioned, Jesus died and was then resurrected. You can't be resurrected to a new life until you've died to the old one. It's obvious, isn't it? At least it should be. Death and resurrection are what Easter is all about. Death and resurrection are what your new life is all about. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Romans 8 verse 11. The great news this Easter is that Jesus came to give you a new life, a life worth living, a life that instead of being torn apart by arrogance or selfishness or whatever your particular Achilles heel is, a life that instead is being healed and restored by the power of God and the goodness of God, a life that will look completely different to your old life because Jesus changed it for you, because Jesus died so that the just requirements of the law, the punishment that you so richly deserve, could be removed from you. That's mercy, because Jesus died and rose again. Maybe you just heard about Jesus for the first time today and you want to accept him as your Lord and Saviour. Well, if that's you, please pray this prayer with me. Father God, today I've heard about Jesus and what he did for me on that cross and through that empty tomb. And I realise that I need his mercy and his grace and it's exactly what I need. Please forgive me through Jesus and what he did for me. I'm so sorry for my sin and what I've done wrong. And give me this new life today, this resurrection life. I turn away from all my sin, but I know how weak I am. I know I don't have the power to live the life you want me to live. So please put your Holy Spirit in me so that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead will raise me into this new life that you've promised me in Jesus' name. 
Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, my friend, you have just received the grace and the mercy and the power of God through what Jesus did for you. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. Life can be hard work some days, and as that daily grind just kind of grinds away at us, it's easy to forget that Jesus died and rose again to give us victory. That's why I'd love to send you a short text message of encouragement straight to your phone, just as the Spirit leads, perhaps even when you least expect it. That's what Victory SMS is all about. Roughly every other week, I ask the Lord, what word of encouragement could I give to you today? So if you'd like the occasional bit of encouragement to help you live your life in victory, then head across to victorysms.org and when you do subscribe, you'll immediately receive a free copy of my ebook, Power Unlimited. Thousands of people already have. And the most common response? Oh, that's exactly what I needed to hear today. How did you know that? Thank you so much. It's simply amazing how powerfully the Spirit of God can move through just a short text message. And I'd love to encourage you too to live your life in victory. Again, that web address is victorysms.org. Okay, let's head straight back into the Word of God. ever felt as though your life just isn't worth living? Have you, have you ever come to the point like King Solomon who wrote in the book of Ecclesiastes, vanity, oh vanity, life is meaningless? It can feel sometimes that life is over even though it goes on. Back when a dear friend of his, Lazarus, had died and just before he raised Lazarus from the dead, Jesus said this to the man's sister, John chapter 11 verse 25. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, though they die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now that's something, that's someone worth placing your hope in, don't you think? I am the resurrection, I am the life, said Jesus, and everyone, everyone who believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe it for you? Colossians chapter 1 verse 5 says that you have a hope laid up in heaven for you. And a few verses down, verse 27, Paul goes on to talk about the mystery of God's glory, which is the hope in you. Easter ain't just about fluffy bunnies and chocolate eggs, weird combination though that may be. It's about hope, a hope that is meant to be in you as God's gift to you, in you. A hope that drives your thoughts, your feelings, your actions. A hope that gets you through the stuff you need to get through today and tomorrow and the next day and for however many more days you have left on this earth. The hope the Bible talks about isn't some wishy-washy maybe kind of hope. Whenever you see the word hope in the Bible, it means an absolutely certain rock-solid hope of a life eternal with Jesus. Hope matters. We're all wired to hope in something. Better we hope in the one thing that delivers instead of all those imposters out there, don't you think? I know that there are people listening today for whom there doesn't appear to be a single bright spot on the horizon. No hope for the future. And for you today, I have good news. The good news of Jesus, no matter how bad your past has been, through Jesus the slate is wiped completely clean. 
And no matter how dark your future may appear, in Jesus you have received the certain hope of an eternal inheritance with him, living for eternity in the presence of Jesus who died for you. Hallelujah! You wouldn't believe the number of people who write to me who were at the point of taking their own lives because for them all hope had been lost. And yet when they heard about the hope that they have in Jesus Christ, that pulled them back from the brink and changed everything. Life without hope is no life at all. A life without hope for the future isn't worth living. I know. I've been on that edge. And it was Jesus who pulled me back off that ledge. It was Jesus who gave me hope. It was Jesus who gave me life. Those disciples, they they couldn't see it until they saw the risen Jesus with their own eyes. And then everything changed for them. Everything. They spent the rest of their lives, in fact, they gave their lives in order to tell the rest of the world about Jesus. And this hope that you and I have in Jesus is the only hope that turns a life around for good. Nothing else can deliver what the hope in Christ can deliver. I leave you today with this exhortation from the Apostle Paul, Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. My prayer for you this Easter is that this powerful hope of the eternity that you have ahead of you will rock you to the core and transform your life completely and utterly because God has a plan for you that goes way beyond anything that you can ever hope for or dream or imagine and that plan finds its genesis and that plan has its alpha and omega its beginning and its end in Jesus This Christianity Works program is sharing the powerful, practical Word of God with so many people in over 160 countries around the world. But that's only made possible through the generous support of friends just like you. Each dollar that you give today will grow to reach nearly 3,000 people with a gospel message. Incredible! That means that a gift today of just $35 can touch over 100,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift of support to Christianity Works today. Securely online at ChristianityWorks.com or by calling 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, two things. Firstly, don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet that I've been telling you about. It's only available for a limited time, so don't miss out. Secondly, we would love to pray for you. Absolutely. Just click on the powerful prayer tile at the bottom of the homepage. Again, that's all at ChristianityWorks.com or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Hey, thank you so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond. I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ.
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.